grace and the opportunity. Just guide us, direct us. Let us put the gifts you've given us to use for the glory of your name and the blessing of the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to take out the message notes that are in your worship folder. Follow along. We'll be looking at specifically some verses from Ephesians chapter 5, the latter or kind of the middle of that chapter. Under the theme, the disciple of Jesus serves. I want to ask you a question, and maybe because I don't want to feel all alone this morning. Do you ever get tired of serving? Do you ever just come to a point in your day or your week and you said, that's it. It's time for someone else to serve me. I've been giving, I've been doing, I've been sacrificing. I am tired of serving. Like I said, I hope there's at least a few of you out there this morning that perhaps have felt the same way. I know I get that way at times. And just say it's, it's hard to be thinking of others and to put your needs aside and take care of someone else's needs. And you know it's important inside. You know it's the right thing to do and you know it's the loving thing to do, but it, at times it just feels tiring. And maybe at times it, it doesn't always feel like it's worth it or it's making a difference, which maybe leads us to lose our motivation. So today as we sit at, at the Word of God and understand Jesus' teaching in regard to service, he had to teach his disciples, and the Apostle Paul is going to remind us, bring up some great points in Ephesians chapter 5 that connect to our life of being a follower of Jesus, which includes being servants. And one of the most familiar, we're going to look in our Bible study more in depth, is when James and John came to Jesus and they said, when you get to your, when you establish your kingdom, we want to be on the right and on the left of you and your glory. And Jesus had to teach them that life in my kingdom isn't about being served. It's not about having all the power, all the authority, and telling this person, you go do that for me, and that person, you go do, take care of this for me. But rather, life in God's kingdom is about service. And he used himself as an example. And that's our ultimate, not only example, but also motivation and forgiveness when we do not serve or we have a heart that begrudgingly serves. We go back to our Savior who on the cross, as he taught his disciples both in word and action, said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus knew that it was important to work with his disciples and their hearts to understand what service was all about. And so throughout his life and his ministry with those 12 followers, he taught them about service. And even the Apostle Paul, who thought he was serving God by persecuting and killing Christians, and God turned his heart to understand who Jesus was and his love and his grace and turned Paul from a persecutor of Christ to a servant of Christ. And in his writings, you can find it all over the place of his love for the Lord Jesus and how much the Lord Jesus loved him, which led him to persevere and to give and to serve as a follower of Jesus. So it's from Ephesians that I want to direct our attention. And before we get to the verses 15 to 21 that are on your message notes, I wanted to read the first two verses of chapter 5, if you have your Bible or device open. The Apostle Paul writes this, he says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. He sets the tone, I guess they are in the message notes, um, he sets the tone here, at the beginning of chapter 5, as the Apostle Paul oftentimes does in his writing, 
is the first chapters, he outlines grace and he outlines what God has done for us and the theology of our salvation and what grace is and what it looks like. And then the latter parts of his letter, he says, now this is what it looks like when grace and God's love are put into practice. So like in Ephesians 2, we looked at it a number of weeks ago, by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast, for you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So today is one of those days we're going to, in the view of the mercy of God and the love of God and what, how Christ has served us, how is God going to work on our hearts and minds to be his servants and become more his masterpiece, become more his workmanship? So I'd like to drift into verse 15 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, where the scripture says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. If we're going to grow as a disciple who serves, the first thing that Paul encourages us in, in this text is to see the opportunity. That's your first point if you're filling your blanks, to see the opportunity. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So in this context of what a believer looks like in the world around us, with Christ dwelling inside of us and Christ at work in us, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. We've probably heard the phrase, seize the moment, or carpe diem, seize the day. Or maybe you've told your kids, or you remember being told, Take advantage of that opportunity, or maybe you're wrestling with what, what to do or what not to do, and you say, well, that opportunity only comes around once. And it's interesting that in regard to our Christian life, the Apostle Paul and God's Spirit encourages us, make the most of every opportunity. The question that ran through my mind is, what hinders me from taking advantage of every opportunity? To live out my Christian life, and maybe specifically reflecting on serving others, what what gets in the way of taking advantage of every opportunity? It's maybe taking advantage of every opportunity that I want to take advantage of. I know one thing that gets in the way is just busyness. Then we get up in the morning and our, our day has this agenda and that's what we set out to accomplish, that's what we set out to do. And we feel like we've accomplished our opportunities of the day if we have accomplished our to-do list and we've gotten done what we wanted to get done. But perhaps there's someone in the line at the grocery store, perhaps there's someone at work that is noticeably distressed or there's a friend that posts something on Facebook and these little opportunities to serve or reach out and love are popping up all around us and, and it's hard to take advantage of every opportunity but sometimes it's having eyes to see where those opportunities pop up. And I know I'm not perfect at it. I know I'm not great at it. I hope this is okay. I'm going to brag on one of my daughters a little bit, Makaili. You're like, what is dad going to say? So Thursday was her first day of high school. 
And I remember my first day of high school, I told her, I go, I went to the wrong class. I was nervous inside. Even though our high school was like, I had like 19 kids in my class at California Lutheran High School, and she's got like 1,900 in the school at Georgetown. But I afterwards asked how the day went, and um, she just shared that someone had come from a small school and that she had a conversation with that person. It just stuck out in my mind. Here's someone who I think would be very nervous, but took an opportunity just to say hello to someone who maybe was a little more nervous than, than she was. And that stood out to me, and I didn't tell her that, but now I'm telling you that, and I think that's great. <coughs> there was an opportunity, and it just was a short, maybe brief moment, brief conversation, but made a difference in that person's life, even though the day was full of new things and nervousness and that sort of thing. It's those type of things that perhaps just slowing down in our day enough to see the opportunity that we can take advantage of the opportunity. Now, why does that make a difference? Why does it make a difference? The Apostle Paul says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What makes serving others such a great opportunity in days that the Apostle Paul, even 2,000 years ago or so, described as the days are evil. What's interesting is, go back to the, the gospel lesson that Jesus told this young teacher of the law who thought he got it all figured out, and he says, love God, all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors yourself. Who's my neighbor? He just wanted to make sure, you know, he was loving the people that he should be loving. And Jesus calls him out and makes it very obvious that sometimes it's easy to love the people that love us, but here it was a Samaritan loving on a Jew, and then that culture and that society was very different because the Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. They had a long history of cultural differences. But the Samaritan is the one who stopped and served the one who was beaten alongside the road. And I look at that example that Jesus taught, and he said, that stands out, doesn't it? In, in, in regard to the culture around, it stood out. And see, this is a neighbor that is in need. Regardless of the cultural differences, regardless of the past history, here's an opportunity to serve. And two passed by on the other side of the road, and the Samaritan paused to serve. And that stood out. Because the teacher of the law wasn't thinking, well, I should serve the Samaritan. I can serve my fellow Jewish people. But even that, this was a Jew who was beaten up, and the Jews didn't want anything to do with it. But the Samaritan helped out, and it stands out in a world that operates generally more self-centeredly. And so as God's people show up in the world around us, taking advantage of every opportunity, it makes a difference in these days that are evil. When love shows up, love that doesn't have any strings attached, love just that reaches out, puts your agenda aside, and seeks to serve another person. It's no wonder that the Apostle Paul make the, takes advantage of every opportunity, because the days are evil. And it's the love of Christ, because remember, chapter 5, verse 1, be imitators of God, live a life of love just as Christ loved us, because service is a life of love. Jesus taught his disciples, Matthew 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. Serving in love stands out in the world around us. And as our light shines... It is not to draw attention to us and say, well, what a great servant you are and what a great loving person you are. It says, no, what a great Jesus we have, what a great Savior we have, what a great Father we have who loved us first 
and I am just reflecting that light and that love in a world that desperately needs it. See the opportunity. Secondly, the Apostle Paul continues, verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing, encouragement, see the opportunity, seek the Spirit. Seek the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. I've read over this verse before, but it's kind of a stark contrast, don't you think? Like, there's perhaps other things I could put in parallel. Instead of, you know, be filled with the Spirit, what would stand in contrast to that? Perhaps, you know, instead of being filled with your own ideas or instead of being filled with the world's ideas... But the apostle says, don't be filled with spirits, small s, to the point of getting drunk, which leads to debauchery, but rather be filled with the spirit. Now, why would he say that? This may be a sensitive issue to you personally or in your family, etc., but let me just share a few thoughts. Because sometimes when we, we fill our insides with alcohol, or insert any other addiction. It's perhaps because there's some emptiness inside that we're trying to fill. There's perhaps some guilt that we're trying to override. There's maybe some significance that we're trying to suppress or just not feel as bad about. There's some part of life we're just trying to escape. There's some hurt we're trying to cover up. And things we become addicted to, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's food, whether it's pornography, addictions fill a void. And the Apostle Paul says, don't fill that void with something that leads to sin. But rather be filled with the Spirit. And when we think about living a life of service, if we're going to take advantage of every opportunity, can we do it when we are so focused on our hurts or our holes and our emptiness and we're filling it with things that lead to sin, how can we serve others in that state of mind, in that state of heart? Now, is that something you wrestle with, someone in your family with? Take it seriously because addictions can hurt many, including yourself. Let's talk. It's okay. We all struggle with different things in our life, and if addiction is one of yours, let's, let's find a path to get help. But rather be filled with the Spirit. Seek the Spirit. Now, why be filled with the Spirit? Three things under this point. First of all, to keep your focus. You see, like I said, addictions can fill those things that we, we don't know how to fill otherwise. And like I said, it, maybe it's, it's guilt. So what, how does the Spirit fill my guilt? He reminds me that I stand forgiven in Christ, that even my past, no matter what it's been or where it's gone, it's not too big for, to lay at the foot of the cross and find forgiveness. 
If there's a hurt in my past that I'm trying to numb, maybe it's from someone or something, the, the Spirit fills it with a significance that's deeper than any person could ever give us to help us realize we are loved, we are forgiven, we are important, we have significance because Jesus lived and died for us. And I'm not trying to just put Bible band-aids over these things. I'm just trying to help see the contrast. Why would Paul say, don't be filled with those addictions, but rather be filled with God's Spirit? Because it keeps our focus where it is. Instead of on the things around us that are imperfect and the people that say things that hurt and the people that do things that hurt, it puts us back in focus with the one who loves us unconditionally, the one who forgives us completely, the one who fills us with meaning and purpose, the one who gives us direction, the one who gives us hope in a hopeless world, the one who fills us and points us heavenward where there will be no more crying, pain, or sorrow, etc. So be filled with the Spirit. It keeps our focus. Paul goes on, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. I was thinking like, just turn to your neighbor and speak to them in some song. Sing a song to them this morning. I don't know what it sound like. But you know, it's encouraging. No matter if you're on key or off key, just having God's people singing God's praises together. So speak to one another. It's how we serve one another, by encouraging, building one another up, just being here. Offering gifts and talents, whether it's musically, instrumentally, or otherwise. We need each other to be encouraged. When you feel like you are serving all alone, it's a lonely place. It leads you to give up. When you have people alongside, you say, it's okay, come on, let's do it. We can get this done. It's important. That's encouraging. Jesus didn't just choose one other person. He didn't just choose uh, maybe John and say, hey, John, you know what? You're going you're gonna to be my successor after I leave. I want you to... He chose 12 because he knew that when one got down, the other 11 were there to pick him up. He knew that servants would get tired, get discouraged, and they need other servants of God to be next to them to say it's important. It, made, it matters. It makes a difference. It's touching hearts. It's changing lives. Speak to one another. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Encourage others. So keep your focus. Why be filled with the Spirit? To keep your focus, to encourage others. And third, to stay properly motivated. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The motivation comes from the inside out. Serve from the inside out. Make music in your heart. You may not want anyone else to hear it unless you sing in the shower and don't think everybody else is listening, but make music in your heart realizing what is going on inside of you because of the love of Jesus Christ. Always giving thanks. Because people don't always give thanks to us. People don't always recognize what we have done for them. People don't always express their appreciation. And so the motivation for service is not how well we are noticed in our service or how many people say thank you, but how Jesus has offered his life for you and for me. The Apostle Paul in another of his letters, Romans chapter 12, says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. The only way we can keep our spiritual fervor is to have the Spirit fill us. Seek to be filled with the Spirit. Third, 
Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Number three is serve one another. You could put submit to one another. Why is submission to one another important in regard to service? The verses that follow get into the relationship between a husband and a wife. And it's interesting because verse 21 sets up for all Christians, all believers, whether married or not, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so submit word means to yield one's will to. Right? So as, as God outlines, it's on my mind because of the wedding yesterday, for, uh, for wives to submit to their husbands, there are times I yield to my husband's will just as Christ or as the church submits to Christ, I yield my will to Christ because I know he perfectly loves me, cares for me, etc. Now we as husbands aren't always perfect in doing that. And so Paul goes on and says, I want you to love your, your wives as Christ loved the church. Those are high standards that he gives. He says, this is going to work out if you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yield one's will out of reverence for Christ. Now why is that important in regard to serving one another? Do I have to say that sometimes our egos get in the way of serving? I don't think I'm alone there. I hope not. But sometimes it's like, I want my way. This is the better way. Everybody should feel this way because I've thought about this and I've invested in this. And maybe it is, but it's the heart that says, let me take time to understand your way and what do you think? Out of reverence for Christ. Because my way is not important enough to get in the way of serving Christ and serving one another. My way is not important enough to get in the way of the will of God, seeking the will of God. My way isn't important enough to get in the way of the advancement of the kingdom of God. God can use what he uses us and our gifts and our talents and our input, etc. God can use that, but it ought never become more important than what we're here to do together, and that's to serve God and serve one another and be part of his kingdom work. And so a spirit and an attitude inside of us is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because ultimately, we yield our will to Christ, and as we do that, we also are willing to yield our will to one another. Someone else may have a better idea, a better way, a better opportunity, better gifts than I have. And that's great because that's part of the body of Christ. He's put us all here together. And each one of you has different gifts. Each one of you perhaps is in a different season in life, but each one of you is still this side of eternity. And if you're this side of heaven, God still has you here to serve him and serve others in his kingdom work on this earth. When you get to heaven, he'll give you another way to serve him. But sometimes we get a place in life and say, you know what, I don't have anything to offer, it's time for the younger generation, etc. You may have a different season in life, but you don't have a different purpose in life. And that's to serve your Savior and to serve one another. It may be with your time, with your talents, it may be with your prayers, it may be with your offerings, it may be a combination of all of those. But I invite you to think about, as God is encouraging us to be a disciple who serves, what is that opportunity that you can look forward to doing this week? And maybe you don't even know about it, but maybe your prayer is, Lord, open my eyes to see the opportunity. Thank you for filling me with your spirit a little bit more this morning to grow in my faith and help me to serve you and serve others.
Why be a disciple who serves? A few more blanks at the end, just quickly. Why be a disciple who serves? It's what we do because of what Christ did for us. It's just who we are. It's what we do. We serve one another in our homes, in our workplaces, in our school hallways, in our congregation. It's what we do because that's what Christ did for us. Is it hard? Is it difficult? Is it tiring? Is it unappreciated times? Yes, it is. But it's what we do. It's the heart that God has transplanted inside of us to love Him and love others, to serve Him and serve others. And secondly, it's what we do because it shows Christ's love to others. Christ has left and gone into heaven. He's left us to understand and grow in His heart and to exhibit that heart to others. And as we serve Him and serve others, it will stand out in a world that is not focused on loving God and loving others. And so, as Jesus has taught us this morning, let's be disciples who serve. And through that, let us also be disciples that help others understand what Christ has done for us in serving us and let that also encourage them to be the next disciple that serves as well. Amen. May God's peace rest in your heart, knowing that your sin is fully forgiven in Christ. And may he motivate you as you have time and energy on this side of eternity to serve him and to serve others. Amen.